You know, as Christians, we know we've all been sinners. And we all know that it's God's love and mercy that was extended to all of us for salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that we all thank Him for that. I thank Him all the time for just saving my soul and taking me out of the world that I was living in and putting me in a world for Him. And I can't remember if it was Brother and I in bed or if I was on my way to work, but I was talking to God and I was thanking Him for His wonderful love and mercy and I got to thank him for loving me even when I wasn't worth loving. For loving me when I was a mess or when I failed him. How we're his children, you know. And when we do mess up, and we will because we're all human, none of us are perfect. We don't mess up on purpose, but we still mess up. And we mess up because we're weak, we're human. But I, I was thanking him that he picked me up and brushed me off and set me back on my way again. Yes. And so I'm thanking him for that and I'm praising him for that. And in my mind, it's like if you spoke to me, you know, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for picking me up, brushing me off and setting me on my way. And he said, and sin no more. Amen. And so... Yeah, he picks us up and he puts us on the right path, but then we are to sin no more. Amen. And Jesus, it was so important to him that he even said those words himself. Turn over to John chapter 8. We're going to pick up in verse 7, but before that, the story is about the woman that was caught in adultery and they brought her to, the, to Jesus saying, you know, she was caught in the act, she ought to be stoned, what do you say? So John, John chapter 8, starting verse 7. And you know, they were kind of like a little kid. When they don't get an answer or the answer they want, they just keep on. Can I, can I, can I, will you, will you, will you? Well, that's kind of what they did. Starting in verse 7, John chapter 8, verse 7 says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest unto even the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman and said unto her, Woman, where are those thou accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You can be seated. Now she was guilty. There was no doubt about it. She was guilty. She'd been caught. Of course, we always say, well, where was the man? They didn't bring him in there to be stoned. But even without the man, she knew what her fate was because she knew the law. And I love how Jesus handled it. Yes. He didn't accuse her. He didn't say she was innocent or guilty. He didn't ask for a trial. Now, verse 7, he kind of put the heat back on the people that were accusing her. 
And he said, any without sin. There's not one person sitting in this building that hasn't sinned one time or another. Any without sin. That goes back to everyone. All of us have sinned. See, sometimes we get like the scribes and the Pharisees. We want to point out other people's shortcomings or sins, and we want to hold them accountable for it. You know, we think that the punishment ought to fit the crime. Well, we forget about our shortcomings. Look in the mirror. We, yes, look in the mirror. We forget about our sins, you know. We need to be worrying about ourselves and quit pointing a finger at everybody else. Amen. We're responsible for our own salvation. He that is without sin, be careful about judging others. Bible talks about that. But you know, God may judge you on the same standards. How would I want to be judged for my mistakes? I kind of want God to not look over them, but forgive them and give me a new start. Well, if God forgives our sins, why can't we forgive other people of their sins? Amen. You know, verse 11 said, Neither do I condemn thee. Boy, you know, our court system says the innocent until proven guilty. Well, we as humans, we think they're guilty until they prove they're innocent. I'm so thankful that God's not that way. I'm thankful that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we go from being condemned to hell to being saved into eternal life. And sin no more. Jesus wasn't talking about a sinless, perfect perfection. But he was warning against to return to a sinful lifestyle. And I talk about choices all the time. What choices do we make in our everyday life? Because whether you know it or not, or admit it or not, or realize it or not, you make choices all the time. You make a choice to get out of bed. You make a choice on what clothes you wear. You make a choice on whether you go to work or not or whether you came to church this morning or not. You make choices all the time. You make a choice on whether you eat breakfast or whether you don't. What you will eat. What we'll eat for lunch. We make choices all the time. What choices do we make in our everyday life? Godly choices or worldly choices? See, there's only two choices. You're either with God or you're against God. And people will be quick to say, oh, I'm not against God. If you're not living for him, then you're living for the devil. You're either living for God or you're living for the devil. But it's your choice choices we make are so important with our walk to God. Turn to John chapter 5. And I'm just going to paraphrase the first part of it. But John chapter 5 verse 137 talks about a man that laid by the pool of Bethesda. He was waiting for the angel to come down and stir the water. 
Well, when the water was stirred, the first person in got their healing. Well, he was crippled up. And the Bible said that this man had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, he knew how long he had been sick. And he asked him, he said, Wilt thou be made whole? Now, the man, like we would, started explaining to Jesus why he couldn't get himself in by himself. And he didn't have anybody to help him, so somebody always beat him to the water. Well, verse 8 through 13, Jesus tells him to rise up, take his bed, and walk. And he was immediately healed. Now, the Jews, God's chosen people, instead of being happy for him, they wanted to condemn him for carrying his bed on the Sabbath. I think if I saw a man that had been paralyzed for 38 years that he couldn't even get up and walk, and I saw him walking carrying his bed, I wouldn't be worried about him carrying it on the Sabbath. I'd be happy and excited over him being healed. But no, that's not the way they were. So they asked him why. They, well, they confronted him about him not supposed to be doing any work on the Sabbath. So he goes into explaining to them the man told him to rise up and walk and carry his bed and that he was healed. And then they're like, well, who is this man? But the guy that had been healed couldn't find him because there were so many people in the crowd. Jesus had kind of slipped out. But then look at verse 14. John 5 and 14. It says, afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Now he was at the pool of Bethesda. Now he's in the temple. Wonder if he was there thanking God for his healing. I would be. I'd be praising the Lord. I'd be so happy. Maybe he was telling people about the miracle that had happened to him. We never know. Said, Thou art made whole. Not just healed. He didn't say, Thou art healed. He said, Thou art made whole. Inside and out. Sin no more. Amen. Not perfect, but forever changed. And when we get saved, we should be changed too. So if you see a lot of the old you in yourself, find a place and get back to God. You know, there are times when the world comes up against me, everyday living, things you have to deal with, and I see some of the old me coming out, which sometimes gets snippy. Or gets angry quicker than normal. And I have to find a quiet spot. And I have to ask God to renew me. Renew my spirit. Renew my faith in him. It's not that I've lost my faith or backslid. It's just that the world gets really heavy sometimes on you. And we need to always find a quiet spot. 
and ask God to renew our strength, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Now, there is nothing more miserable than a backslidden Christian. I'm speaking from experience. I've been there, done that. Because, you know, a sinner, they don't know what they're missing. If you've never had something, you can't miss it because you don't know what you've had. And a Christian, well, they've still got it. So they're not going to miss it because they're in the middle of it all the time. But when you have backslidden, you know what you've had. You know that it's gone. And you know you need to get back there. And sometimes we just don't know how. And believe me, like I said, from experience, the devil will come at you with everything he's got to keep you from finding your way back. You just have to call unto God and know that he's there listening and waiting. But when you're backslidden, it also opens up a lot of doors for the devil to come in and attack you. And he'll do it in every way he can. He knows our weaknesses. <clears throat> Turn over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse 5 and 6. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6 verse 5. It says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Yes. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We should not serve sin. Think about it. Serve sin. We choose to sin when we know it's wrong and we do it anyway. It said if, if we're in his likeness and the old man is crucified with him and the body of sin might be destroyed, we're starting fresh. I say that all the time. We get a new slate. So if sin enters back in, it's because we've allowed it. Amen. Or we chose to sin. And don't tell me you couldn't help it because you had a choice. Now, like I said, there is not a lesson that I teach up here that God hadn't already walked all over my feet. Sometimes he gets way up over my feet too. He gets way up over my head. He has to walk me down. We choose to sin sometimes. The temptation is there. No matter what the temptation is. And don't say you don't get tempted. Because if you don't, I want to know how you keep from it. Because I get tempted. The temptation will always be there. Satan's going to make sure. <clears throat> you can say that the devil tempted you. Or that you were weak. And believe me, sometimes that's true. But you chose to do it anyway. Have I done that? Yes, I have. <coughs> have I known something might not be quite kosher? You don't know if it's right or wrong. They say if you doubt, then don't do it. Amen. Well, there have been a few times that I've doubted and did it anyway and then been convicted for it. Yeah. 
So we could have rebuked Satan, or sometimes you have to remove yourself from the situation or the temptation. So when that happens and you do mess up or you are weak and you do fall back, all we can do is repent and try to do better next time. That's what God expects of us. He knows we're not perfect. He knows we're going to mess up sometimes. Even willfully. I have willfully messed up and gotten out of the will of God. He knows that. But when I come back to him and tell him that I'm sorry and I know I messed up and I shouldn't have, I'm so thankful that his love and mercy steps in and he takes me back into his fold. Turn over to Isaiah 43. <clears throat> Isaiah 43, verse 25. And I have read this before, but when I was reading it, it took on a whole different meaning. <clears throat> Isaiah 43 and 25. says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. Now listen to this. For mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. For his own sake. God loves us. And he doesn't want our sins to get in the way of that love. So for his sake, he forgets them. And all this time I thought it was for me. I thought he just put me on the good list and, put, and forgot them. Have you ever had an idea of what a person is like and you've kept that idea for a long time, and then they do something, or you find out they've been doing something, and you say, well, I would have never thought it. But it actually changes the way sometimes you think about it. Well, God doesn't do that. When we say we're sorry, he forgets it. He doesn't hold it against us. He never brings it back up. It's forgotten and gone. And I'm so glad, because believe me, I messed up so many times, my list would probably be, you've seen those kids that hold that list up for Santa Claus or somebody, and it's all the way down to the floor. Well, that would be my mess-ups if God kept count. Way a whole bunch. But we come to him after we've repented, and all he sees is his child that he loves. Just like we love our children. He loves us more than that. Turn over to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3. Verse 19. Acts 3 and 19. It says, Repent thee therefore, and be converted, or turn to God, that your sins may be blotted out, or wiped out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, if you look up refresh, it says to freshen something again. So when you look up fresh, it says newly made, not spoiled, or pure and clean. So 
when the times of being made pure and clean comes, it'll come from the presence of the Lord. See, we can't get pure and clean without Jesus Christ. Just can't do it. We can't save ourselves. Just can't do it. We can't live a godly life on our own. We just can't do it. It all comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us salvation. He's the one that will help us clean our act up. He's the one that we go to in times of trouble. He's that anchor that holds when life is just blowing us every way. He's the one we need to turn to. You know, when I said I'm sorry for my sins and I turned to God for my sins, they were wiped out. And I was made pure and clean with the Lord. Now, how wonderful is that? No one else can give you a clean slate. No one else can clean you up and set you on the right path and give you a chance to make it into heaven. But see, no matter how wonderful being pure and clean is with the Lord, I have to choose to stay that way. I have to, and I'm going to say work hard to sometimes control my temper or sometimes not to do something that I shouldn't. I have to have you ever heard the saying, anything worth having is worth working for? I mean, really. You have a car, you got to make sure you change your oil. You got to make sure, well, you're not going anywhere if you don't put gas in it. You got to make sure you got transmission fluid in it. You have to work at keeping that car running. A marriage. You think you just get married and you sit down and life is hunky-dory? Well, if you do, you haven't been married is all I got to say. Because it don't work that way. When you're married, you have someone else to consider in the decisions and choices that you make. You have another person that you have to halfway kind of try to keep happy. Because if you don't, life is not going to be very fun at your house. You have to work at keeping that marriage a good marriage. I mean, that's just a fact. Well, then why do we think when we get saved, we sit down and that's the end of it? Because when we get saved, we have to work at keeping our salvation. We have to work in reading the Word, in praying, in changing in staying changed, we have to come to church and worship together. You know, they say there's strength in numbers. Well, if I've got a problem in my life, I want my church family praying for me. Amen. I'm not going to call my kids up and say pray for me because they don't even go to church. They're not living for the Lord. But, my faith and my trust in my church family to pray for me. And you have to know what it's about. Really, it's none of your business what it's about. Just know that I'm having an issue and I want prayer. 
you come to me and say, pray for me, i got something going on, I'll say, okay. I'm not going to say, well, tell me all about it. None of my business. But you've asked me and, and honored me that you have enough faith in me to know that I'll pray for you. So we need to remember that. Our church family is so important. But we have to choose to stay pure and clean. So it said, and sin no more. Now, will we mess up? Yes, we will. Will we fail? Yes, we will. Will we have setbacks? Probably. But we don't have to go out and willfully sin. And when we do, we have an advocate at the right hand of the Father that will plead our case and say, Lord, that one belongs to me. Yeah, yeah they messed up, but they're going to do better next time. I'm telling you, if we got kicked out of the family of God for messing up, I would have been kicked out a long time ago. I have messed up and failed more times than I could probably count, not on purpose, sometimes even trying to do good. But every time I've gone to the Father and said, forgive me, I've gotten his wonderful love and mercy and forgiveness that I'm so thankful for. And I'm telling you, I choose to make it to heaven. I want to make it to heaven more than anything else in this world. And if I mess up, I choose to instead of laying down and wallowing in it or quitting. You know, some people will mess up and then it's like the devil will get on just like that. Well, look what you did. Well, God's not going to forgive you because he did that to me. And for years I was out of the will of the, well, I was backslidden. Because I let the devil tell me that. When we go to God and say, I'm sorry, we get a new slate. Then we have to choose to sin no more. Like I said, we'll mess up, we'll fail, but all we have to do is come back to the foot of the cross and tell him that we're sorry. God loves us. How many of us if our child messed up, would we say you're not my child anymore? Hopefully none of us. And you hear people say, you'll see on TV how someone has murdered somebody or done something really bad, and a little old mother, she goes to that courtroom and she sits there behind their child. I started to say son, but it don't have to be a guy. It can be a girl too. But they'll sit behind their child and you'll hear people say, well, why in the world would she come to court and support him? Doesn't she know what he did? Yeah, she probably does. But that's still her child. And she still loves that child. She may not like what they did. She may not approve of what they did. It may embarrass her or disgust her or whatever. But her love is still there for that child. And that's the way it is with God. He may not like what we've done. He may not approve of what we've done. He may be 
disappointed in us. I've been disappointed in my kids before. I mean, I, I think I've got good kids, but they are not perfect. And they have messed up at times. But I love them anyway, and they're mine. You've heard that. I can talk bad about them, but you better not talk bad about them. Well, that's kind of the way it is with God. He can convict us, and, and he can call out what we've done to us, but he doesn't want anybody else picking on his children. And I'm sure he doesn't want to see fighting between siblings because if we belong to God, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. But it said, sin no more. So we have to choose. And sometimes a choice will be easy on a decision. Sometimes it may not be. What will your choice be? Like I said, you'll be responsible for your own salvation. Brother Ron.